0: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bald Move Television, where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron, And I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. And we are here to talk about some television, let me tell you. Uh, We're going to talk about our thoughts on the first kind of full-length Watchmen trailer that HBO released this week. We're going to talk about the new uh, micro-comedy, The State of the Union, starring Chris O'Dowd and Rosamund Pike. And then Cecily and I are going to pitch people on Harlots, the Hulu series about Harlots. Uh, We like Harlots. Well, you don't say. Let's talk about Watchmen first. Um, We've all seen it, the the, the trailer. We all have a lot of expectations because this is the follow-up to The Leftovers by Damon Lindelof. Uh, He wrote like a four-page letter to the fans last year talking about how much he loves The Watchmen and how (laughs) much... respect for the source material he, he, his material he has but i haven't i haven't seen like a lot of ideas about what it might be about i thought mm-hmm. it might be cuz i know he it wasn't going to be a retelling of the movie or the comic book but i thought it might be like of that piece like a reimagining with different characters but sim- essentially the same political situation and in the same time period um what did you guys think of the trailer, I guess, and what do you think we can piece together about what this is about?
1: Well, it seems like, to me, that they're going an entirely different direction, which is to sort of set it pretty far after the events of The Watchmen and kind of follow on logically to where all of that might lead in uh, a society. Yeah. And I think that's a really smart angle to take because it allows you, it just kicks up, open so many doors to, you know, do allegories to today's, climate uh when it comes to our our society um it allows you to tell new stories right like it's so easy in these types of adaptations to get stuck in the source material Mm -hmm. and and for it to almost become boring in that kind of way but this just opens up so many possibilities
0: yeah it serves as like a sequel it feels like it's 25 30 years after our i'm assuming the doctor manhattan slash space squid gambit depending if you're a movie watcher, or a comic book reader. <laughs> uh. And you know, the hope was that that would solve all the world's problems. Seems like the world's split. Like there's a faction of people wearing Rorschach masks, chanting, tick tock, tick tock, because mm-hmm. the Armageddon's coming. And it seems like there's a militant fascist branch, maybe based on the comedian. Cause mm-hmm. the, like the, the, the cops are kind of looking like fascists and they're wearing yellow masks. Yeah. Uh, there's like a bright gold, shiny metallic mask that I'm not sure what's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they're like is Jeremy Irons playing like an older Ozzy Mandius? Could be, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's like I didn't. Uh, th- there's I-, I thought maybe we'd have a hint of Doctor Manhattan because I could see him coming in like because he's still like I, all the characters still alive. You know, like mm-hmm. what are the ones that are still who are the people still on the board? That would be an interesting one. But it's like it's tough because keeping him like in an exile or just off the planet or wandering the cosmos. You don't have to worry about how a God character would impact the drama, Mm -hmm. but the temptation to bring that God character in must be really high.
2: Right. I think it looks really interesting. I'm not that familiar with the graphic novels at all. I haven't read Mm -hmm. any of that, but Mm -hmm. I, the movie I've seen quite a few times. I feel like it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I feel like I need to watch it again because I didn't take in all of it. Yeah. Um, It's proof that Zack
0: Snyder can make a really good comic (laughs) book film. Yeah, that's fair.
2: fair. (laughs) Uh, I feel like this is going to have a lot more of that. I don't know. Is this based on a graphic novel or is this brand new?
1: I mean, it seems loosely based on the characters and the themes of you know the watchman comic and the movie frankly. like this is to
0: the la the, the return of the jedi or this is like the force awakens to return of the jedi you know like this is 30 years later <laughs> what what's happened
2: Okay, but there's not. But the first movie was actually told based on the story that the graphic novels told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay,
1: loosely again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all very loose. Yeah, uh, gotcha. It had to like. There's plot details change, but the I think the spirit of it certainly was intact. Right. I, I don't often do this, but I'm really actually excited to dive into the source material mm-hmm. and the the sort of universe of the Watchmen because I think the movie, which is really the only part of the Watchmen I've consumed, is fascinating Mm -hmm. in you know just I mean thematically it was doing so much and it was so interesting and it had a lot to say uh, that I think still applies and I'm I'm interested to dive back into that like full force go read the comics you said there was even a a series of new comics that they've done with yeah, none so, of this, some of the characters. None of this is authorized by Alan Moore because he's essentially
0: disowned everything about yeah. this because that's what he does. As soon as he creates something, he takes gasoline and wants to burn it <laughs> and to keep it from being commercialized and what. Uh, and, you know, he's got valid reasons for a lot of that too. But they uh, they had a series of like... Uh, like Ozymandias, you know what did he look like as a child? How did he become? It's kind of like essentially going back and telling the prequels to these stories. Hmm. Um, and there was like a five or six graphic novel set around these different characters that came out about five to six years ago yeah. uh, that I've read. Um, but yeah, it... it uh, is
1: one of the few superhero things that has ever kind of stuck with me. Yeah. So well, I mean, I'm it's, it's also
0: great timing for this comeback because I was thinking like you know Watchmen is a great deconstruction of superhero. Myth mm-hmm. and it came out like at the very cusp of uh, you know, obviously the novels came out in the 80s, uh, the movie came out at the very cusp of the dawn of the superhero movie age, and now we've had a whole decade of this under our belt. I think it'll be interesting to go back and uh, you know, see, see, see like what a, a deconstruction of that looks like now, you yeah, know?
1: if that's if that's going to be what they're doing, sure, yeah. So, we, we still uh, don't have a ton of information, right? It's still just like this one trailer which it's sort of vague um right to, to a large degree i'm i don't know i mean the main thing that gets me excited about this honestly is damon lindelof mm-hmm. like i love the leftovers so much and i i loved a large portion portion of lost as well but right. uh the leftovers has left me with such a high esteem for that guy that i'm in for whatever he does and the fact that he chose watchman as his next project is awesome yeah no mm-hmm. and I, I think that like
0: my big obviously concern with lindelof is you know can he tell a complex sprawling <laughs> story and collapse it back and not lose the plot and not and i feel like uh the leftovers um mm-hmm. he had and he had a lot of strong partnerships with that but like i that to me proved that this guy can tell a story uh that's very character driven and emotional driven and has something to say so yeah this is by far i think the thing i'm most excited to experience new like obviously i'm excited about uh, stranger things and i'm really really excited yeah. about the expanse but like just the new stuff coming out um this is this is this is leading the pack for sure All right. Um, There is actually an article that uh, just got posted like yesterday from Rotten Tomatoes where they are diving in, like piecing together all the stuff that uh, they've been able to piece together about uh, the the Watchmen. I'm going to link in the show notes if people want to look at some more information. Um, But I think it's time for us to move on to the State of the Union, which is another one of these fascinating micro comedies. It was uh, written by Nick Hornby and directed by Stephen Frears. Um, Nick Hornby wrote the novel High Fidelity that was later adapted into a film directed by Stephen Frears. So this is then coming together for another kind of uh, intellectual, fast-paced dialogue uh, comedy. A very particular type of comedy. Um, And it's about two couples that are going through marital counseling. And it's entirely told from the perspective of them sitting in a cafe, having a discussion five or 10 minutes before they meet with a the therapist and how you don't see any of their therapy. You don't see any of their lives. Out. It's just that window of the five or 10 minutes before they go into to see the therapist and their conversations. How did, uh, how, how many episodes did everybody get into it? And, uh, how's it
1: working out for you? I saw two episodes and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I, enjoyed the banter, which is really the only thing there to enjoy. Uh, there's not much else Mm -hmm. but yeah i i I really like rosamund pike i really like chris o'dowd and i think they enable this to work because without some kind of chemistry between the two i like it can be an angry chemistry it can be a contentious one but i think their chemistry works really well and as a viewer they kept me engaged the whole time yeah
2: yeah they seem really natural together like they're they have the chemistry of a funny couple that's been together for 15 years yeah you believe it right exactly i i don't like rosamund pike because no. she played a really good villain in gone girl
1: <laughs> hmm i haven't seen that
2: and uh, james bond she's a bad bad guy in james bond
0: she was a bad guy in james bond or was she was maybe she... i'm confusing her insert sophie mercue Mer- 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 but i thought yeah Anyway, yeah, she's a bad, she's a bad lady.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't think that's fair to her, but uh, hmm. yeah, she played a similar kind of character that was very like quick with the with the one-liners. Uh-huh. Uh, so I can only imagine she's just planning his uh, imprisonment. I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The f- uh, spoilers for Gone Girl. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I. I thought, I, I yeah, this is very charming, it's witty, and I like that it's kind of like breaking down, you know, continue, like, the more we break down the stigma about getting help for your problems and getting a referee for uh, the, the issues, and I think the more people are going to have better, healthier lives and relationships, so that's all good, um, and it's good to see them, like, walk through things like... You know, maybe this, you know they, they see this other couple walk out and they're like, you know, very sad and like, it's, uh, and uh, oh, man, these guys have been devastated. Maybe maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe. And, and you know, the the idea that you want to run away or maybe not confront this is all dealt with, I think, in a very smart, especially since these episodes are like 12 minutes long. Mm-hmm. They feel and this sounds like a slight, but it's actually a compliment. Like they feel more like a 20, a conventional 20, 25
1: minute long, even though they managed to be 12 to 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that part. When yeah. when I saw oh the next episode is nine minutes long awesome I'm in
0: yeah 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 and it it keeps you kind of like you know it's like just one more one more and it's a I I really like these micro comedies I wonder if there'll be a successful like micro drama uh, but I huh. feel like for comedies this is because you, you don't need a B plot. Yeah. You don't need to cut to see what Chandler and Joey are doing when they get free porn in their apartment. You can just stick mm-hmm. with the strongest story and tell each... Essentially, every scene is its own episode. Mm-hmm. And this is, feels like a kind of a stage play because this obviously yeah. could just be a table, two chairs, and two actors in a room, and you just drop the lights Yeah, each... a couple
1: spots on them. And yeah, you dro- <laughs> yeah, at the end of the scene, you drop the lights,
0: you bring it up, it's the next therapy session. Uh-huh. And right. uh, it's, it's, really,
1: it's really cool. Um, There's something, like easy and and honest about the whole conversations they're having to mm-hmm. that you know is is sort of strange considering the difficult subject matter right yeah. like there's a couple where she has cheated on him mm-hmm. with someone else they're going through marriage counseling and they're asking really like intimate and tough questions of mm-hmm. each other but also uh, like you said cecily there's something about them them together that that just makes it not feel super confrontational like it could it's right. almost like they're trying to work through it together and that's kind of I, I don't know I, that was interesting to me there's, the tone and
2: there's some definite subtext that you pick up on during those conversations where they're trading these you know sarcastic remarks back and forth but at the same time it's like oh i see the problems here they're they're really scratching through the surface they use those 10 yeah. minutes in each episode well
1: uh-huh yeah um, they'll spend like You know, two lines of Chris O'Dowd saying, "Oh, maybe it's because uh, you bring in all the money. I don't work. I don't do anything. You you pay for all like Mm -hmm. the cooking and the house cleaning and stuff. And I just sit at home like a lump." Yeah, that might have something to do with it. The way that they sort of economically put those details into these conversations i thought was really seamless mm-hmm.
0: yeah and the first couple of episodes especially i was kind of like because this is what i like to do i like to see whose side am i on and then have that the perspective challenged and, and yeah it's fun to kind of do that and at first i was like it, it's it's pretty even-handed because like he'll say something like that mm-hmm. and you think okay well that sounds like but then you hear her minimize her affair or try to like you know make it seem like it wasn't that or it's 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 a one-time mistake Right. I did three more times <laughs> uh-huh. over the course of several Yeah. And it's like, okay, she's in a little bit of denial here too. Um and it it is nice that there's no like there's no yelling and screaming. It feels like in, in a real relationship that there would be yelling or screaming. Mm-hmm. Um and then, then you it, can see that in other couples that they watch come yeah. out of therapy. And what, which is really funny. And you're not this because we got to like the fourth episode and it seems like oh. you're supposed to understand that the couple is like four episodes. The couple that they see coming in and out are like four episodes ahead of them. Okay. Because you start right. seeing patterns of, as they get further in therapy, like they start going through the roller coaster that the other couple's doing. Um, the only thing that's disappointing in me is that Chris O'Dowd, like in, in the episode three, episode four, like especially in three or four, just it comes out as just like a, a real fucking idiot yeah like it's it's hard it's like he's got such a constellation of mutually contradicting like personality traits Mm -hmm. um that it does he's starting to feel less and less like a real character and someone who is created to be like this kind of goofy foil for Rosman the pike because like you know he's uh yeah
1: it's I don't know that I've ever seen anything with Chris O'Dowd where he hasn't been like that. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just something he brings to the performances. He's
0: just not He's not malicious. He's just a, uh, like a yeah. lunk in a way that Rosamund Pike is not. And I'm starting to mm-hmm. feel like I want... I, at first I thought, oh, this this couple, is this going to be about them getting back together? Now I'm starting to be like, I don't know of how I feel about this because they do feel like they're fundamentally different people. Like, mm-hmm. I think she points out at one point that like... You know, we've grown up and and we've got different ideas of like what forty looks like. Like he just wants to give up on life and, and yep. become a sixty five year old, and she's like, I think forty is just being thirty, except for you have to go to the gym more. <laughs> and I right. like I that's I could see that being like super frustrating. Like if because I I kind of identify more with the Rosman Pike side of things. Like you shouldn't slow down just because you're getting you're you're getting older. You should you should that's when you start getting old. When you decide fuck it, I want to slow down and and i think it's also there's a lot of like the chris odad character is for whatever reason it's that they hint at like maybe the loss of his job it really set him on his back but he feels uh kind of like you know weirdly emasculated like a lot of dudes walk around feeling today but he can't like point to any one reason why and hmm. it's it's causing him to be emotionally walled off i I don't know. I could. I guess I could see it going either way, and I'm I'm along for the ride. And hell, it's ten minutes at a time. (laughs) Who doesn't? Right. The whole thing
1: is like less than an hour Mm forty. So, you know, it's it's less than a short movie.
0: Yeah, it's like movie is a movie with intermissions every ten minutes. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like I don't know. Like it's because if you haven't tried these, like it does seem like they're because I've been following Dan Harmon's girl or fiance uh, just got a micro comedy series green lit. It seems like there's a lot of interest around this to kind of because it's so great. You can this works you know you saw a lot of stuff like um that are that are that are comes on netflix but they still have like the commercial breaks baked in like birdie and tuca was like that hmm. like you can see where like they pitched this to pro- black and then yeah, yeah it has the with the logo and then it uh-huh. comes back with the logo again and you just keep oh, on weird. moving on it's like a podcast that hasn't sold ads you know uh-huh. right, we're gonna take a break <laughs> to five seconds of music oh no no ads were slotted in there so we just come right back um it seems like they've like What's cooler than that is let's what about a format that we can sell on YouTube or -hmm. we can sell on a, you know, a a flash in the pan streaming service or you could package up on on Hulu or, or or. or netflix or like what or play in the
2: commercials like the walking dead did
0: yeah that
2: one airplane micro series. yeah
0: yeah i could see honestly i could see something like this like on a pbs like you know like uh because there's always like a 10 minute gap at the top of their hour when Mm -hmm. they do like play something there's like so many ways you can slot this in and so many ways you can consume it um and again like i this does feel like just like when i've watched these things it feels like comedies with the b and c plots removed Mm -hmm. um and yeah, like it's it's got a unique kind of focus and 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 bingeability. So I'm curious to see how they continue to, to work with this this uh, experiment with this kind of uh, framework.
2: Right, and it's an interesting kind of it's an interesting kind of divorce story because there's a lot of those out there, but I, I don't think we've seen or I haven't seen one before that takes place in this time uh, in an infidelity. Like you see. What when an infidelity happens you 've seen mm. that a million mm. times you 've seen when the other person finds out and it all comes crashing down, but they 're at a point when they 're still in therapy they 're still working through it, but also it 's not painful to talk about it. She can yeah. you know say the other guy 's name, she can talk about the sex and it 's not like tears and these kinds of emotions
0: oh see i I had a different take. I think that like it feels like they 're consciously putting off dealing with Matthew like this first four episodes they haven 't taught they 've talked about kids they 've talked about their history they talked about their Brexit (laughs) fight but like you're
2: right they even talked about not talking about it in therapy yet yeah Uh so
0: I think that that's that is the thing that's the anvil that hasn't dropped And maybe yeah, maybe i'm misreading
2: that as more of like a british reserve type of thing well there's
0: definitely a lot of that <laughs> like it's yeah. a, a lot of that i'm trying to like you know maybe like if this is an american couple they'd be screaming and yelling at each other but since they're keeping a stiff upper lip about it all or yeah. punching each other on the sidewalks yeah. like yeah. happens in, or this crying series. in a
2: bar <laughs> uh-huh. and
0: there was like i think also another light criticism of this this feels more droll than funny but then like at the end of episode four there is a scene of intense social anxiety and awkwardness that.
1: Oh, so Chris O'Dowd is in this?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was played so pitch perfect and was such like a just a uh, like a uh, like a social anxiety Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Like it should have stopped <laughs> f- at four or five different points, but oh, people boy. continued. The test must go on. And I was just like fucking laughing myself silly just just how like oh my god can you imagine being this guy and you imagine being this woman in this situation and I'm like okay that's that's a nice like a little mini kind of cliffhanger or comedy cliffhanger mm-hmm. to put in there um, so yeah it's uh, it's good
1: I'm mm-hmm. very pro pro micro comedies yeah I'll keep watching it uh, I've got eight episodes left so a little over an hour <laughs> probably just binge through it on the weekend uh, Cecil and I finished Tuca and Birdie mm-hmm. oh yeah. Uh, that
0: is continued to be very enjoyable. I was surprised by where it went. Um, there, like I it's like some of that later material was so heavy, and uh, I, I I I felt like it was almost outside of the show's performance envelope. But it can kind of stayed honest, and there's some stuff like I don't okay if if they go down this plot line and there's no repercussions for it, then why even go but they had they kind of like yeah there was like relationships got changed by this heavy stuff and i felt like it was still very funny but like again this felt feels like morality tales for adults like in you know um it's the classic like odd couple where you got this button down like high achieving person and they got like the slovenly but free-spirited friend but it never like all those all like feels like that the lesson is that
2: the free spirited person the, should but be born button but, down. You could
0: button down a little bit yeah. and the button down person should let their collar down a little bit. Uh, and and like that's that's not right that's not wrong, but it also I feel like it um it also like gave a little bit more like it, it made the, the free spirited person that took them seriously and it also showed like why the person's buttoned down like their kind of like pathologies and, and mm-hmm. th- in a way that like they don't they don't usually do in comedies like this yeah absolutely and, and kept it really funny and right know? it made
2: them made the relationship between them work you know that, yeah. that, that difference of personality wasn't like a source of strife for right. them it was just right. something they connected on yeah. It was good. It was really funny. It was one of the more interesting animation styles I've ever seen.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Like uh we talked about this before, but like nobody credits, the buildings have tits. But, you know, it just it's it's got this like surrealism to it. Like sometimes things will just transform into other things. Um it's it's kind of difficult to describe and put your finger on exactly what it is because i thought (laughs) this was like
0: bojack horseman except for everyone was birds but that's because they're living in bird town which seems like it's a little bit uh self-segregated and that there's there's not it's (laughs) not there you'll see a dog or a cow person Mm -hmm. but it's mostly birds right um but it's weird because like a, there's a there'll be like a dog person that's walking a dog which never happens in Bojack I don't think.
2: Right. Or like a plant person smoking weed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I yeah, said yeah. there's
2: there's there's not rules to it but I think I relaxed about that a little bit more as I went along.
0: No, you kind of I it, learned
2: it, to become less buttoned down. Yeah,
0: yeah, you did. You did. So narratively, um it allows it also allows them to play with a lot of like hot, hot button issue but they completely remove like um, different things like cause that's, and I guess maybe that's a criticism because there's also like um, one that deals with Tuca is like as a result of her free spiritedness that she is like both very poor and dependent on her aunt for money and she has like a medical crisis but like I thought it was going to be a crisis of her not being able to pay for it or seek medical treatment but like they just didn't deal with that because it does feel like they were trying to like by making everyone weird plant and animal people they remove like race and class from everything so they can just make a point about you know an interpersonal relationship and it's just like a very default or generic point of view to have Mm -hmm. um and as a result it kind of blunted some of the other things they could have done but it's a comedy you know like
2: right it's more about i guess self-discovery for these bird bird (laughs) bird women women. yeah yeah than it is about yeah like you said class and struggle it's it's there's a lot about your know your fears and your pride mm-hmm. and anxiety and things like that
0: yeah and i it challenged me a couple like it's uh, weird for animated comedy about birds but i actually like uh uh you, towards the last three episodes there that i was really challenged by how i felt about a certain situation like i don't know about this but like by the end they brought me they, they brought me around to it so tuke and birdie everybody you want to talk about harlots yes jim i don't know anything about this harlots is like let's do
2: it for mary cooper
1: <laughs> how i mean oh jesus this this um where is it how would i watch it if i wanted to hulu. it's on hulu it's a
2: hulu okay. original there's it's two, two seasons, seasons yeah
0: and their third season starting in july and this is a story about um the the horrors of london uh you've got um, and it's a very complex political and social drama because um you've got some of these women who have been able to go like up into like high-class society. So they're running very exclusive brothels for like princes and dukes. And then you've got the Uh girls who are getting the tuppence pump in the alleys and the open and they don't have any houses at all. And then you've got like the low-class bought houses and the bars, like all these different intersections. And you've got like the, the central drama is there's this lady Quigley who's like one of the really posh upper-class Big wig and powdered uh, uh bods as they call, and then um one of her girls because this, this the other thing the central the, the, is like that oh, man I don't even know how to describe this um she had a girl who broke away from her service and started her own bod house, and they are like in a in a conflict they're essentially in, a, in a, like a like a wire style street struggle over mm-hmm. um the the calls like who gets what you know, territory. And it's so fascinating because these women are simultaneously very powerful, but they're also victimized constantly. And they only stay alive by the secrets that they can gather and the political strings that they can pull. And they sick the magistrates on each other and they try to corrupt justices. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, like, it's such a fucking house of cards because when these women are competing each other, it's like this Cold War struggle where, well, I bribed this person. Well, then I found that he's got a deep secret that he doesn't want. Well, I found his, uh, the person who's got p- parsonage or patronage over him. And it's just like this, like everyone's like this race to get this, this political power. And it's just like fucking awesome. Hmm.
1: But it does sound awesome. There
0: is like, I got to warn you that there is just tons of rape. So much rape. There's so, so much, much Especially rape. in the first season where they're just like, um like but but as a result of this, like the villains are so fucking villainous. Like I hate this quiggly person mm-hmm. as much as I ever hated a Joffrey. Hmm. Um and there's scenes like there's some of the the better scenes is like this that demonstrate how evil this woman is. Like one of the things she does is procure virgins for gentlemen to deflower. And all it's right. like, imagine if like Lady uh, Crawley from Downton Abbey goes into like a waif house and with all of her finery on and she finds uh, one of the the girls, the, the youngest girl there, and she's like, oh dear, you look miserable. Have you any family? Oh, you poor thing. I have a great house and I have a, a position as a maid that's opened up there. And like the woman, the the girl's like, oh my God, thank you. This is such a dream come true. And then she's going to be raped and then kept as a sexual slave and it's like that stuff really happened and it's so fucking that they play it so straight up like how evil it is to to essentially trap and ensnare these women um and take advantage of them that you really want to see her go down oh my god i'm can't i can't wait for her purple wedding moment (laughs) holy shit
2: uh are we talking spoilers for the first two seasons?
0: Oh, no, I don't want to talk spoilers. I feel like we, because we kind of want to cover this when it comes in July. No,
2: we definitely want to. I, I
0: want to okay. do like a, a preview pod where we do spoilers. I'm just trying to sell people on it. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm sold. Uh, it start like one of the stars is Jessica so, Finley yeah. Brown from Downton. Jessica Abbey. Brown
2: Finley. Jessica yeah. Brown yeah. Finley,
1: and she is fucking
0: dynamite.
2: Yeah. She,
1: she has the. Probably hardest name in Hollywood to remember is simply because it should be Jessica Finley Brown. Right. That's the way names work, but yeah. hers works the opposite way.
0: Yeah. I, the, I don't know why. Just, you always put the Finley before the color modifier. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're completely, completely yeah. Brown's the last name. I, I don't know. Um, there's also so, oh man. Yeah, you're right. I want to go into spoilers. I know. <laughs> because there's other things don't do
2: like it. this almost the never. Second, I will say the second season gets into a lot more um, fantasy. Yeah. I would say that there's a lot of there's a lot of
1: how many dragons in this show zero.
2: I th- okay, are I you thought sure? We weren't doing spoilers, yeah. <laughs> <I'll, I'll>. What's well, <laughs> well,
0: true? They, 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 there was that plot where they start digging beneath the tunnels of London, and <laughs> right, we yeah. know what happens there with rain of fires. So. Oh, yeah. Of course, that's oh, a yeah. cliffhanger for season three. <laughs>
2: In that there's, I think that there's some sort of wish fulfillment that happens, some, some very good things that happen to people and people, women, people of color that I don't think necessarily would have happened in that time period. Yeah. But mm. it's, okay. it, you're rooting for these people and you love seeing it. It doesn't take you out. It just makes it. Yeah. Um, makes you, gotta you that much audience, more attached. Yeah, yeah
1: you got to give them something. And also, it's not like <laughs> especially when you're hope, raping right?
2: pe- 1.5 people per yeah,
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also, it's like it's it is wish fulfillment, but
0: it's also it's not like unearned. Like these right. people are like, okay, if they were that clever and resourceful and mm. smart and played their cards right, it could happen. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It could happen. Whereas most people, it's like, oh, you're gonna have a black woman running a brothel in London. <laughs> that's that's ahistorical or whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, right uh i yeah i think uh there's also like um the uh in season two Liv tyler joins the cast yes and she's a really memorable um kind of like uh marquess type mm-hmm.
1: lady um that gets involved in some of the scheming of the bods is, is she more armageddon in this or more leftovers in this uh probably
0: leftovers for sure okay. she's very she's a very tragic then i might character. be able to tolerate her yeah um I also really like um the other like Game of Thrones aspect is like main characters die all the time, like um, and when they threaten like other main characters I've always thought like every single time that someone because like, it's, it's people die so often that when people are in mortal danger, I'm like okay, even though this person is like the second biggest star in the show i okay, this might they're really selling me on this person's going to die. Like, it, it feels like sometimes they get out of it, sometimes they don't. It always feels very realistic. Mm-hmm. And it's also very soapy, you know? Like, yes. like But, like, I kind of like that. Um, I feel like in Season 2 it became much less so.
2: Less so? I thought I got more so. I thought it got more soapy? I thought, yeah, they turned it up to, like, 11 in Season 2. Oh, man, I don't the know. The first season had was just a lot more somber, yeah. I think. And the second season, they're... In- drama is much more intense but Mm -hmm. also it's still got the lighthearted, fun uh upbeat music to it bright Mm -hmm. colors all of that sort of just popping out uh it's one of those things that you just it makes you just want to like cheer and yell and clap while you're watching television Mm -hmm. in that it's a soap opera in that way it just gets your emotions (laughs) really up
0: who's your favorite uh bod or body girl harlot
2: oh Okay, here's the other thing. My favorite character. <laughs> my, okay, to answer that question, my official favorite character in the show is uh, Margaret Wells' tits. Oh. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. They have they're, a deaf and strong supporting role.
2: Yes. It's, it's, they're, they're wearing these corset things that are just so mm-hmm. yeah. tight. And they cut off like right around mid mid tit level, Mm -hmm. and those things are just going to pop out at any second. They're just like
0: right, like it's like I think if we had a 4K television, we'd have seen nipple already. (laughs) Yes, it's just like it's just like it's a couple pixels of shade. Like is that a little dark pink or brown? But like on a 4K, is that a shadow or is that? mm, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this is is the scene, (laughs) and how like no matter what she's doing, if she's swinging punches, if she's like. (laughs) Like, like She's
2: climbing stairs and just heaving for breath.
0: How <laughs> those things are contained in that system is amazing. Huh. It's insane. It's amazing. And like all that's kind of like all the Wells girls kind of have that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's uh, that contrasts them to the like the powdered Marie Antoinette look of uh, Lady Quigley's girls. Like, the you know, mm-hmm. Margaret Wells props her girls up and sends them sends them out there.
2: Yeah. Um, but but seriously, maybe Emily Lacey. She's been a firecracker from the very beginning. I like beginning. Emily Lacey, too. Or like, maybe Cherry. uh, the the living miniature the
0: dwarf oh my god she was so good in season two I like Nancy. Nancy looks oh, like Nancy. a bloodborne character. Yes. And she carries this like whip made out of a bundle of sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like she runs Are you like sold a yet?
2: <laughs> she would, runs yeah, like a BDSM
0: already. house and like they'll have conversations where like all of a sudden you'll hear a whimpering and she like storms over, opens a closet and is like, You shut up, <laughs> you little worm, and like whaps his ass and then slams the door wow. again and they just right, go right back into the conversation. Yeah. Okay. She's terrifying but awesome.
2: Nancy's the best.
0: Nancy is yeah, I I, I next time I play Bloodborne. And I'm going to try to create Nancy because she's fucking awesome and they need to have a, a Bloodborne 2 where her little bundle of sticks whip is is one of the 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 workshop weapons you've got yeah but no where I'm very excited for uh, I've heard a lot about this season being the the, the show being good and um, very interesting and you know it's 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 very it's it's very lush and it looks amazing and everyone looks like they're having a good time even when like terrible things are happening and it's very surprising and i'm i'm hoping that we don't do the undertaker thing where we come in on season three and that's where the wheels mm-hmm. fall out where alfie, allen? Swap out.
2: alfie <laughs> allen who played uh
0: theon theon yes yeah.
2: he's, joining. he's joining the cast
0: for season three mm-hmm. awesome Should yeah i'm looking forward to that his yeah. tits are gonna just come right out
2: i know <laughs> immediately yeah, yeah. There's no way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I feel like I'm missing someone else that like a, a a notable other casting person that um but there's just a lot of like people uh from Harry Potter and from Game of Thrones like pop up mm-hmm. as side characters the the guy who played the
2: oh from Penny Dreadful the, the Sim simbi-
0: simbi- Sim Sim <laughs> yeah he 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 plays Margaret Wells uh bully man yeah uh who i guess he'd he'd be the pimp except for she's the pimp and he's she's he's just a muscle but they're also like have a relationship and a child there's a lot of like interior like what it's like to live in a brothel of that Mm -hmm. era, and what you know like that's kind of interesting and and neat and i don't know how historic it is but it feels it feels real and cool and vibrant and i'm having a lot of fun watching it i can't wait for season three Uh, i think that'll be a dedicated feed type of show but uh, I guess we got till July 10th to figure that out. <laughs> yes, uh, that is our Bald Move TV for the week. Uh, we will have our uh, we'll be looking at what's coming out next week, next week, and we'll have another show for you. Uh, don't forget that we're also if you missed it, we are covering Chernobyl week by week as it's kind of a standalone Bald Move TV episode that comes out midweekish uh, as our schedule permits. That was a phenomenal hour That's of awesome. television. Yeah. Uh, everybody needs to get in on Chernobyl. Um, You can send in feedback to TV at baldmove.com. Got a lot of nice feedback on Chernobyl that I'm going to be sharing on that podcast. Um, But until the next one, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. See ya.